Yeah, I'm really thrilled to have a chance to have Guljan here with us today um, and bring an idea of missions that is often far away and abstract uh, into Fortress with us. Um, Guljan's from Kazakhstan. Americans are good at many things, but geography is not generally one of them. So Russia is here. China is to the east, and this is Kazakhstan, the 10th largest country in the world. Um, in the 1990s, there were only a handful of Kazakh, known Kazakh believers, and then the Soviet Union fell apart, and a way was opened to bring the good news into that country that had been um, stifling any sort of religion for many decades. Um, Guljan's name means, well, Gul is flower, and Jean is soul, so flower of the soul, soul flower, a beautiful name for uh, an amazing sister um, who has walked faithfully with the Lord for many years. We saw, well, thousands of Kazakhs come to know the Lord, but not thousands of Kazakhs still walk with the Lord today. But Guljan has been faithful through the decades. She was in college when we met her. Danielle was probably seven, I'm guessing, seven or eight when we met. Um, Guljan lived with a teammate of ours and um, became an important part of not only our Kazakh church plant, but our family, joined us for many meals and parties. Um, yeah, and uh, our family watched, was babysitting for our kids, so it has been a huge blessing through the years. Um, I guess I just want to say that she has been used by the Lord. She has been empowered by the Lord. She has boldly shared her faith. She has seen Kazakhs who were historically Muslim come to know the Lord, and she has faced difficult consequences as a result. I have nothing but love, admiration, and respect from her, for her. Um, she may have started out as a soul flower, but she has become an oak of righteousness. Amen, amen, it's true. A planting of the Lord for his splendor. So I'm happy to introduce Guljan to you today. Hi, so my name is Guljan, as you heard, and I'm from Kazakhstan. So uh, thank you so much for letting me to come and share. It's an honor and blessing to be part of this beautiful, beautiful gathering today. I was told that I can talk as long as I can, I want. And so uh, hopefully we will be done by dawn tomorrow, and we'll see. Like, um, uh, no, I, uh, it's, um, so I, I thought this is a Kazakh party. That's how we do our Kazakh party. We talk, we sing, we eat, and we talk again. So um, for me, like, to become a Christian and to receive Christ was very, 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 like, life and death decision. So whenever, well, first time when I heard the gospel, I really was scared. And I really had to take time. It took me one year to really make a decision if I really want to decide. Because I think that people do take Jesus or God really lightly. And in my culture, Jesus means death. So like, because for us, uh, for Kazakhs, because of the historical background to uh, Jesus was Russian Orthodox God. So we portrayed as Russian and anything like cross-related or anything of that was really scary for us. So to be born to Soviet Union time, we didn't really have God. And all of a sudden in 1991, when the whole thing collapsed and we became Kazakhs, and all of a sudden we were free and we were independent and we didn't want what our identity was. So I really was trying to figure out, and for us to really to Jesus, 
is to become Russian, and that's the worst thing that you can do to your culture. And um, and I was born to a family where there was a God concept, but it was very vague, and there was not really um, like really traditional explanation what God was. But I heard God like in my life from my mom, so it was really like when I've heard the gospel for the first time, it was so hard. Uh, it was just really, I, I hate it. So in, a, in so many ways, I was like Paul. I hated Christians. I wanted to persecute Christians. I did persecute Christians. I did whatever I can to kill the, the movement because I saw that there are so many things happening. But God, knowing my heart, uh, put his, he made his humor is great. So he put me in a dorm. Uh, with the ladies that were Kazakh. So it should be the dorm with for three ladies. He put me number four on top of them. And we literally slept. I shared a bed, the Russian, like, iron meshy beds, you know, like, that has no middle. So when you sleep, you sank in it, on it. Like, so basically, we were sleeping on top of each other. So God had literally had to put those two ladies on top of me for me to hear the gospel. So they were first Kazakhs that received Christ. And I hated them so much because I couldn't believe that the Kazakhs would be betray their nation like that. And why would they even do that? So for me, the gospel was twofold, is to get over that idea that Jesus is Russian God, or Orthodox God. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that... Um, how am I supposed to face the, my family after this? What am I going to do? Because I was not like, I was a provider for my family. I was number one. I was respected. I was in charge of my family since I was five because my, my dad was alcoholic. So I, my mom had to make money and I had to raise two brothers and I had to work so hard for the love. And I was respected. I had the power or authority in my family, both sides. So uh, both sides of my family, my dad's and my mom's. So I didn't want to lose all of that. And um, but it was really like when I've heard the gospel, I really had to sit and say, okay, am I ready to die? Like literally, I, I didn't take it serious. I didn't take it lightly. So it took me a year to really go through and really understand the gospel. So I think that everyone knows John 3.16, and that's my number first verse that I've heard, and I, I, it's still my favorite one. And I think that finally when God spoke to me, And he told me, I, when he says that, for he, for this is how God loved the world. And God said, I love you. You are my world. I created you Kazakh. I know you're Kazakh. And I want you to be Kazakh. And I want you to stay Kazakh. I don't want you to be changed. And that was really important for me. So I think that um, that really transformed me. And that was I was able to get over that idea that God was Russian God. And then receive and then I was able to hear God and the next part was the most important why the gospel is the twofold for me because I didn't hear the words because the word cr cross and all of the church words were really scary to me so I didn't want to hear that but as the passage today I was told that it's Matthew 5 16 it, it says in the same way let your good deeds shine out for the for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father so I think that that really this verse is really vital is because the people the, the, that God put in my life, they were the gospel to me. Because by looking at them and how much they loved me and how much they cared for me and how much they cared for Kazakhstan, it made me to fall in love first with them and then fall in love with God and really hear 
God, because I couldn't get over that picture of becoming Russian, and I didn't want to become Russian. So I think that it's, I really wanted to encourage you today to say that sometimes when we have ideas and visions and we hear things, we don't really see people, but I would encourage you to say that I'm very product of the fruit of, of so many people that prayed, wanted, had a vision to reach out. If the, the, we didn't have those churches to come in 1991, I wouldn't be standing here and I wouldn't be who I am today. And uh, Scott and Laura played a huge role in my life. So that's what I was sharing that in Matthew 5:16, they're the ones that really suffered through all of those years by listening to me and caring for me and helping me to grow in my faith. And thank you so much for your time. And I hope that I was able to share what I wanted to say. I mean, I could say more, but <laughs> I know the time is short. I'd just like to uh, thank the Lord for Guljan, and we're so grateful for you, Guljan. Thanks for sharing your testimony with us. We love you. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for Guljan, and what an encouragement she's been to us, to me and Laura and Danielle and the rest of our family, and how she became part of our family and was willing to risk losing her family to follow you. I just thank you for the faith that you gave her and the way that she's been faithful to follow you for so many years now, Lord, and the way that you've given her boldness to share the good news of Jesus with uh, her Muslim friends and family, and I pray that you'd continue to work among them, um, that her, many of her family members would come to know you, and just pray that you would continue to strengthen Guljan's faith and continue to use her um, wherever you have her to be salt and light for you. And Lord, as we continue the service, as Nicole comes to speak to us about your word, I just pray that your spirit would be working among us, that we would know your presence, that it wouldn't just be an abstract theological concept that you're always with us, but that it we would know your presence and we would hear your voice now through your word and through Nicole. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, I have so many things up here. I feel like just, um, okay, so I have a few things to say. First off, thank you guys so much. That was just such an encouragement to my own faith. I know that that meant so much to all of us. Like, it's so powerful to hear those stories and that testimony because that encourages each one of us to keep going too. And that is like one of the main reasons why we come together each week, right? So that we can be filled up, so our faith can be encouraged um, so that we can go out and just do exactly what the Winslows are doing. We're doing if we're in Kazakhstan and what we're all doing in our daily lives. So I'm so thankful that we got to hear from you. Thank you so much for sharing. Okay, um, last thing I'm going to tell you guys. I know, I if, well, my kids have been asking about this. So um, my bag got bigger. Um, <laughs> so I have more candy. I have a new word for you kiddos that I want you to keep track of today for me. Remember, the game is... You're going, I know it's, it's asking a lot to pay attention and focus during a teaching, but I also know that um, we can try and listen for a key word. And so today, kiddos, what I want you guys to listen for is the word kingdom. Okay, what is the word we're listening for? 
kingdom, okay? So if you hear that word, make a tally, however you want to do it. And then after the gathering, when you come up to get a card to write a note, also tell me how many times I said the word kingdom, and you can pick from the bag of candy, okay? Sound good? Okay, again, adults, you are welcome to participate as well. Yeah. Just when I'm talking. Yeah, good question. Yeah, that way you can sing and just like, and not have to like stop to write notes. Good question though. <laughs> okay, so the last few weeks we have been unpacking our church's vision, right? Our values, our priorities. And by reminding each other of these things, we hope it, what it's doing is that it's encouraging you, that it's inspiring you, that it's challenging you. We hope that you find yourself evaluating your own daily life and considering what does it look like for you to live as salt and light? What does that look like for you on a daily basis? And we also hope that what's happening over the the last few weeks is that you've also been reflecting on your own participation in the mission of this church. Um, And what I want to do right now is be very clear about something. We are not seeking to make disciples of salt and light. We are seeking together, all of us in here, we are seeking together to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That is is the thing that we've got our eyes on. We're not interested in making you really great salt and light people. We are interested in making disciples of Jesus. Um, So our mission as a church is to make disciples of Jesus by seeking his kingdom in everyday life. That's our mission. That's what we say as the church. Like, that is what our mission is. That's our heart. And so we do that by doing the things, the values that we've been talking about, by being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing the things that Jesus did. So that's what we've been looking at. We're going to spend today, one last day, looking at what that looks like um, to put our mission into practice. So I want to read from our text once more from Matthew. And remember, these are Jesus' words that he's speaking to a crowd of his followers, of seekers, of people who are curious and interested and wanting to learn more and follow him. And these are also words for us today. So listen to these words being read over you. Okay. Sorry, Matthew 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So we've talked about what it means to be salt, right? To be distinct, to add flavor to the world so that the people may taste and see that the Lord is good. For our words to be seasoned with grace, to act as a preservative to keep the world from decaying. And then last week we looked at what it means to be light, that we are to bring hope and healing into the darkness, And the reality is that people who find their identity in Christ influence the world for him. So we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, and we get to influence the world because of Christ. So we picked up on the last part of this passage in verse 16, where Jesus says, 
Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others. As a follower of Jesus, you're to shine. We're to play a visible role in society in our everyday lives, reflecting the heart of God to the world around us. And how do we shine? We shine by being who God has declared us to be, to be salt and light. God chooses to salt the earth, and he chooses to light the world with us. And the power to be salt and light, to live into this identity, comes from the empowering spirit of Jesus in us. It is he who shines within us. Remember, he doesn't tell his followers here to become salt and light. He says, you are. And there isn't any striving to become those things. By God's grace, we are those things. We don't earn the right or the privilege to eventually become that. So if you're a follower of Jesus, that's your identity. Let your light shine so that they may see your good works and praise the Father. So this phrase in here, good works, it's layered. It's, uh, yeah, sure, of course, people will be drawn to our good works, the stuff that we do. Absolutely. But this phrase is also referring to how attractive we are. It's like saying, that looks good. I'm really drawn to that. Do you know those people in your lives that you've seen and you've noticed and you're drawn to them? I mean, that's what we just got to hear an example of. And that changed lives. Are people drawn to Jesus because of how you live? And it matters that we understand that it's not about what we do, but it's what the Spirit is doing through us. That he is the light that shines through us. We aren't wanting people to worship us, but to worship the risen king. We don't want people to follow us. We want them to follow Jesus. But do we love Jesus in a way that other people actually notice? Does our relationship with Jesus, does our affection and love for him make others want to love and follow him as well? So let's go back to our mission statement that we say as a church. We want to make disciples of Jesus by seeking his kingdom in everyday life. So how do we make disciples? It's right there in the mission statement. We make disciples by seeking his kingdom. And the kingdom um, of God, it means the rule and reign of God. Jesus taught us to pray just shortly after he, he ta- gives this talk about salt and light. Shortly after this, he teaches us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The kingdom of God comes when people embrace the rule and reign of God in their lives. It is the now and the not yet. God's kingdom has come, and yet we're still waiting for it to come fully. One day things will be made new. One day all suffering and sorrow will stop. One day God will defeat every enemy and will gather believers under his reign. And so when we look around, we see and experience God's grace and mercy and redemption breaking in every day. And we get to be part of that. 
We see that in part, and one day we're going to see that in full. So we believe here that if you keep your eyes on the king, then the possibilities are limitless. And I don't know what that looks like for you specifically to follow, to seek the kingdom in your everyday life. That's going to look different for each one of us, right? Um, But that's a question for you to wrestle with. That's a question for you to seek the Lord about, to find out what does it look like for me to be seeking your kingdom at work, in my neighborhood, at school. What does that look like for you? Wrestle with that. What I do know is that it starts with becoming prayerful and being spirit-led. So the starting point for making disciples and seeking his kingdom is prayer. It is in prayer that we have the opportunity to interact with the Spirit of God and participate in the work of bringing redemption and reconciliation to this world and healing into our lives. And my heart longs for each one of us in this room to truly see prayer as a starting point for all of the challenges we face, for all of the opportunities we have, for all of the relationships that are really good and for the relationships that are really hard. Start all of that on your knees in prayer. For the places that we see that need hope and healing, for the things we see on the news that break our hearts, Prayer is not our last resort after we've tried everything else, right? It's our starting point. It is always our starting point. Seeking the kingdom starts in prayer. And that shift alone has the power to change so much for us. So keep praying, seeking the the heart of the Father, Prayer is not our only action we take in seeking the kingdom, but it is the most effective. We see in the Gospels over and over again that Jesus prays to the Father often. Jesus is fully God and fully human. And so in the Gospels, he often retreats to pray to his heavenly Father, to know and be in alignment with the heart of God. He relied fully on that relationship with the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the things that God called him to. And like Jesus, we need to be a people that prioritize and value prayer. So start with prayer and be spirit-led when it comes to seeking the kingdom. As a mom, one of my hopes, I think as a parent in the room, we all probably have this, we should have the same hope, right? That our children grow in their independence. We want to send our children out as self-sufficient, capable human beings that can live on their own, make good choices, love and honor the Lord, love and honor other people, right? Um, That they don't have to rely on us for everything for all the days of their lives, And that's good, right? That's good parenting. That is a good thing to want for your children. But as Christians, we're doing the opposite thing. We want to grow in our dependence upon the Lord. God wants us to grow in our asking, in our relying, in our listening. He does not get tired of that in the same way that a parent might get tired The more we grow in our dependence upon God, the more we understand our need for him. And the more we understand our need for him, the better equipped and empowered we are for what he calls us to. 
it should look like this really beautiful growth chart for each of us. So we want to be a church family that seeks first the kingdom of God and trusts that God is going to provide all that we need for that to happen. And as I already said, we're not interested in making disciples of Salt and Light or making disciples of me or Matt or any other leader at Salt and Light here. That's not our goal. Our mission is not to build a church, but to seek the kingdom. And what we believe is that if you seek first the kingdom, you're going to get the church. The church is not about protecting ourselves from the darkness. It's not about building our own empire. It's about seeking first the kingdom. If we think that it's anything else, we're missing our invitation as the church to participate in God's mission. And I'm endlessly curious to think about what the church could become and what it could accomplish accomplish if we just keep our eyes fixed upon the kingdom. If we have a small view of God, if we have put limits on what God could accomplish, that's on us. That's not on God. What would it look like to have this limitless view of God and his kingdom and understand that we are invited to participate and partner with him? So look around at the circles that God has you in. What does it look like to be a faithful presence? What does it look like to be a faithful presence in your home, with your extended family, in your schools, when you're shopping at the store? What does it look like to always remain in a faithful presence? What does it look like for you to be a blessing to others, to show up and bless? You bless. We get to bless because we have been a blessing. You have been blessed in here because God has called you by name. You are loved by God because you are loved by God. So love others as a response to his love for you. The power to shine, to live as salt and light, that comes from the power of the Spirit. The mission of God is fulfilled through the Spirit of God. We don't shine because we're good people. We shine because we're spirit-filled people. And that is how we get to do the things that Jesus did. Because we are filled with the same spirit that Jesus himself is filled with. We have the same spirit, and we have been given a new way to be human. And we get to do what Jesus did. We get to pursue sincere discipleship. We get to proclaim the good news of the gospel, that the kingdom is here, and it's also coming. Right now, we live in this in-between time, right? This paradox that we talk about of, like, the here and the not yet kingdom. Is the kingdom of God here on earth now? Yes. Jesus has come to announce the good news. There was this example that Matt and I talked about today that we just witnessed the inauguration of King Charles, right? And there was a lot of pomp and circumstance and, you know, the whole situation of how this goes down. It was made clear that he has now been elevated to be the king, right? Well, Jesus was also inaugurated as our king when he was raised up on the cross for all to see his sacrificial death, 
when he died, when he broke the power of sin, and he set the captives free, and he rose again. He is our king that has been, that has inaugurated the new kingdom. I want to read Philippians 2. I think it'll be up on the screen. I want to read this over you guys. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is king now. He is seated on his throne now. But as we look around the world, we can see that his reign is not fully realized because when it is fully realized, everything is going to be made new and right. And the exciting thing is, is that as the church, we get to participate in bringing the kingdom here on earth by participating in his mission. And there's this, we have become familiar with Juneteenth, Right? So we know um, Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, the freedom of the enslaved people, in 1863. But what do we know about Juneteenth? There were people who did not know, and they didn't know for years until word finally got all the way to Galveston to let them know, you've been freed. I think that's such a helpful example to consider when we think about this paradox of the kingdom here and not yet. It's here, and how do we let everybody know? Jesus is king, and we get to partner with God to bring glimpses of that kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So we lean into our identity as salt and light, and we pray that our good works would shine before others so that others would praise God. That's our desire, and that's the mission of God. And what could be better than that? What would happen if we lived our days with the intent to seek the kingdom through our thoughts and through our interactions with others and how we live and love and go about our day? I think people would encounter the Lord. So this is why one of our priorities as a church family is empowering each other's gifts. So as you know, the last couple of weeks, what we've done is we've taken a few of our priorities each week to unpack and explain. Um, there should be a slide that would remind you guys of each of these. We have six priorities. And we've talked through most of these. And today I want to talk through our last two that we haven't covered. Empowering each other's gifts and equipping children, teens, and parents. So what do I mean by um, empowering each other's gifts? We believe that everybody is gifted as a vital and needed member of God's body, but no one can do it all. 
And we need each other. We need each other in this room. And we believe that God has given us each other. So look around you. This is your church family. We need each other in here. We need your ideas, your questions, your thoughts, your curiosities, your skills, your passions, your creativity, your heart. We need that. We need each other in order for us to be a church who makes disciples of Jesus. Every gift we have is grace. Every good and perfect gift is from God above, from the Father of lights. God has blessed you. He's blessed me. He's blessed each one of us to be a blessing. So we get to encourage each other with a right view that gifts are to be celebrated and encouraged in one another. It means being able to look at one another and recognize something that we see and say, I notice this in you. I've noticed how God has given you this skill. Or I've noticed how he's given you your heart for this people group or this passion or this skills. I notice that. How can I encourage you in that? What would it look like for you to use that gift more? That's a really cool opportunity that we get to have. Because sometimes you just need someone to believe in you. Sometimes you need someone to be able to say, I see something in you that maybe you're struggling to see in yourself. I have a friend who always says, if you want to find someone who needs some encouragement, find someone who's breathing. And that's how you know who to encourage. So what I want us to do and what we want to prioritize is being a community of people who encourage one another to live out the ways that God has equipped and made each of us. We want to see the church equip and empower every child, every man, every woman to thrive in their gifting, their creativity, and their passion to use what God has given you for God's glory, for the good of our church family, and for the mission that God sends us on. So how has God equipped you? And how can we support that? And I also want to remind you guys, um, we mentioned this at the beginning of the year as a leadership team. Back in January, we approved funds for anyone that had um, a missional idea that they needed financial support for. We know that sometimes God gives us ideas or a vision, but finances feels like a, uh, a hurdle, feels like a barrier. But if God is calling you to something, we want to support and empower that. So we want to pray with you. We want to brainstorm with you. We want to see if that makes sense and it aligns with the mission. And then if it does, we want to help financially support that. So that's something that's been put out there, and I want you guys to remember that and just uh, keep that in mind as you are thinking and praying through things or as you hear someone else say something. So that's, our, that's one of our priorities. And the last priority we want to cover is equipping children, teens, and their parents. So we know that being a church plant um, often means limited resources. That there are lots of churches that are out there that are out there that are able to do things differently simply because they have uh, more people or more funding or more space. And we know that's not the same experience for a church plant. Um, but if you know the Tatum family or you know the Connolly family, you know that between the, our two families, we've got a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old, a ten-year-old, and an eleven-year-old. And a 12-year-old. Did I get everybody? I think that's right. Um, just between our two families. And we know that there are a lot of other families that have similar stories and similar makeup in their, uh, in their kiddos. 
Um, there's lots of different families with various stages of children. And so, quite frankly, this is a priority of salt and light because we know that we don't have time to waste while we wait for more people or more space. We got lots of kids now, and we want to care and love for them now. Uh, we have been blessed with many kids in our church family, and we hope for many more. So we want our kids to encounter the Lord, and so we want to prioritize the faith of the children here. Our kids matter um, from the babies all the way up to the teens, and we want to love and care for each of them. And one thing that Jesus did was he invited kids to participate in God's kingdom. They were not an afterthought to Jesus. He wasn't waiting until they, you know, turned 18 to then encounter and talk with them. They mattered as much to him as anybody else. Jesus highly valued them, so we want to highly value them. This means that we as a church will provide children, uh, child and teen-specific spaces for peer relationships, for teaching. It means having the opportunity to participate and engage in our Sunday gatherings. It means giving them opportunities to serve the church in the children's area or running slides or greeting people as they walk in. It means shepherding them in age-appropriate ways. And all adults in this room, whether you have children or not, we all get to be part of this. This is a responsibility and privilege of each one of us at this church to know the babies and the kids and the teens. So start with hello. Get to know their names. That's the beauty of being a small church family. This is like the big pro to a church plant is we get to know each other really well. You can know their names, participate in their discipling, make them feel loved and welcome and wanted here in this church. And that's really powerful. Show up for them. Go to their birthday parties or their plays or their sporting events. Invite them over for ice cream. You know, when I was in high school, there was a family at church, one of my Sunday school teachers, who my senior year of high school, they had me over for ice cream every single Tuesday. Truly, every single Tuesday. And half the time I would show up like after nine o'clock and I just, I finally thought about this like years later of like, that was probably not okay that I just like would randomly show up at their door. <laughs> like the, the offer to give me ice cream on Tuesdays, I don't think made it, in, you know, all night long, but I was not fully aware. Um, but they did. They always had like the ice cream that I wanted and they always were willing to welcome me in every Tuesday. Offer to babysit. It's a great way to get to know kids. Send them an encouraging note. Ask them about their interests. Get to know their interests. Pray for them by name. Share your story with them. And that really is one of the biggest blessings of a small church is that we can know our kids and they can know us. The faith of our kids is being shaped and formed here. And so we want to equip them with a right view of God and his church. So those are our priorities. As we seek God's kingdom and each other's discipleship together, these are the things that we have said that we are going to prioritize at Salt and Light. So all of what we do, we do because we want to make disciples of Jesus by seeking his kingdom in everyday life. We, the church... We have a great opportunity to be the people of God in a new way that will be a blessing to the world.
Not forgetting our distinct identity as God's people, but remembering that we are salt and light, that we get to seek the kingdom. At Salt and Light, we gather together to know one another, to worship together, to listen and learn from one another so that we might have courage then to go out and seek the kingdom daily. There's an overflow of our mission and a reorienting that happens when we gather together here on Sunday. And then we get sent out as the people of Jesus. Our faithfulness to the mission of God to make disciples and to seek his kingdom, that faithfulness, that results in unity among us. When we declare and worship together, something really beautiful happens. We need your voice to pray, to share your brokenness, to share your joy, to reflect the heart of God to one another. We encourage each other's faith here so that we have faith out there. So as we get to take communion now, we get to participate in this meal together. It should be on your tables, and if you need gluten-free, it's in the back. As we take communion together, it's an opportunity for us as disciples of Jesus to declare and remember that he is our king, that he is the one we follow. And it is this resurrected Jesus who sent his spirit to empower us to help usher in his kingdom, to help others follow him too. So we declare by the Holy Spirit that we are united in mission with Jesus. Ephesians 5 says that be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So by Christ's example of sacrificial love, we too are invited as a community of believers to imitate that love to the world around us. So take, eat, and drink, and remember your king. Salt and light, our mission every day is to seek first the kingdom. We get to go and act out his way, Jesus' way of living, to walk in the way of Jesus. Seek first Jesus and his kingdom, and then we will be the church that God intends to use to usher in his rule and reign. So let me pray for us. God, thank you for the identity that you have given us, that you have declared us salt and light, and you have invited us to partner with you in your mission. Father, I pray that we would shine because your spirit shines through us. So wherever we go, whatever we do, Father, may we keep our eyes fixed upon you as we seek first your kingdom. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So there was a benediction that my church growing up said every single week. It was the exact same thing every week, and it is my honor to get to send you out with the same benediction. So if you will, you can put your hands out to receive this send. And now may the risen Christ go with you, above you, to watch over you, 
and beneath you to lift you up, beside you to encourage you, and within you to give you peace. Go in peace and have a beautiful week.